Hey, sports fans, are you looking to wager on all the big games? I've got great news for you because Bet Online, our partners, they continue to be the number one source for all your betting needs and sports info. NHL playoffs, NBA playoffs, pick your World Series winner right now in MLB. Bet Online is your continued source for all your sports wagering needs, including live betting and your favorite. Vegas Casino and Poker Games. Hey, it's super easy to get started, so head on over to the website today or use your mobile device to join and use our promo code BELIEVE, that's B-L-E-A-V, to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online where the game starts. Make a splash this May with a new spa from myhottub.com. Inventory available now, so choose from over 50 spas. These prices are slashed to move fast. Myhottub.com, located in Destiny, USA. Hurry, these spas won't last. Before sunrise, Burn Dairy and Deli is preparing to fuel your day with hot coffee, donuts, muffins, breakfast sandwiches, and other morning staples. For lunch, grab a giant deli sandwich made the way you like it. Pizza, wings, wraps or a fresh salad plus something to wash it down then pick up dinner or a sweet treat and other pantry essentials now you can get your burned dairy and deli favorites delivered with doordash all day every day you can count on burned dairy and deli it's all good what's going on everybody paul bissonette here from the spit and chicklets podcast and now the tnt broadcast i just want to give everybody a shout out and make sure you tune in to the ml sports platter The ML Sports Platter back with you all over the major platforms like Spotify, Google, Apple, Stitcher, Deezer, you name it. Download, subscribe, leave feedback, and a five-star review. We are brought to you by our great friends over at the Al and Angus Pub and My Hot Tub. If you're in and around central New York, make sure you stop by My Hot Tub in Destiny, USA, or visit them online before your visit at MyHotTub.com. That's MyHotTub.com. Com. Your perfect hot tub delivered direct from the factory, myhottub.com. You can search all of them right there on the website. It's a fantastic, fantastic website. Grab a hot tub for, oh, I don't know, 50 people. You can grab one that seats up to six, which is the Sierra 28 hot tub, Geneva 55 hot tub, and a heck of a lot more. The Luna 16 hot tub seats uh, up to five as well. And listen to this. We've got a deal for you at my hot tub. Okay. You can enjoy a thousand dollars off with promo code spring 1000 for every hot tub on the market. Amazing, right? A thousand dollars off with promo code spring 1000 for all hot tubs. If you're in and around central New York, stop by destiny USA or myhottub.com. Again, your perfect hot tub delivered direct from the factory hot tubs direct. You can get it right there as well, wherever you live. So my hot tub is a proud sponsor of the ML Sports Platter. Tip of the cap, thank you as well to our great friends from Elevate Fitness of Syracuse Camillus Golf Club. And, hey, hey, you got to get over to Welch & Company Jewelers' website this week for Mother's Day. You can shop the showcase at welchjewelers.com. That's welchjewelers.com. Bracelets, necklaces, you name it. It's all there for mom. The best showcase around. Get a, a couple of items for mom. Um, in the jewelry department, shop the showcase today at Welch and Company Jewelers. Welch and Company Jewelers is a proud ML Sports Platter sponsor. All right, I'm going to spend some time on uh, two teams in the AFC East as far as recapping 
the NFL draft for them. Uh, and then I'm going to play a crossover episode um, from Built in Buffalo, the Pandemonium podcast. I had a terrific, terrific guest on uh, to talk Florida Gators football and Kyrie Elam and what he can bring to the Buffalo Bills. And uh, just, a, a, just a fantastic, fantastic interview uh, with uh, my guy Scott Carter from the Florida Gators uh, football website, floridagators.com, and has just been covering that team in the SEC for a long time. So you're going to really enjoy that conversation. All right, let's break down. Um, all right, so let's start with, I'm going to talk two AFC East teams, as I mentioned. Um, let's start with the New England Patriots. Uh, I'm going to do the Patriots and the Dolphins uh, in this particular episode. And first of all, Bill Belichick has in the past, despite the fact that he's arguably the greatest coach of all time and all the rings and everything else, you know, developing the slot receiver, developing some of the best defenses in the NFL, uh, you know, obviously the resume speaks for itself. But one thing that Bill Belichick has not been able to do as basically head coach and an acting GM of this franchise, he has very rarely been able to draft skill guys. Now, look, he can go out and get a Wes Welker. He can go out and get a Danny Amendola, right? You can go out and get a, uh, you know, I guess Edelman was a skilled player in the slot. He was picked out of Kent State. I can't remember. Uh, was it the fifth round back about eight, nine, ten years ago? Let me look that up because that's fifth round. I, th- I thought he was a fifth rounder um, for New England. Uh, but, but you know, overall, the entire uh, New England Patriots skill uh, group it, it, it just, it, they don't draft them well under under Bill Belichick, right? There's just no other way to say it. And, you know, look, they went out and got Randy Moss, blah, blah. but I'm talking about straight-up drafting. Actually, Julian Edelman was a seventh-round pick in 2009, so that's, that's pretty wild. Um, many people think he's a borderline Hall of Famer. I'm not sure the numbers are good enough anyway. But, you know, that's one of the, you know, that's one of the very um, – you know, few guys, right? I mean, it's overall just like they can't find, they can't draft, develop skill guys. I don't know what the deal is. Um, they did want to get a bunch of offensive line help for Mac Jones, so they did that starting out. Except that I don't quite understand. Um, you know, from San Francisco through Miami and Kansas City, um, you know, the Patriots um, basically did all of that work to just settle for a guy nobody's heard of out of Chattanooga. Now, again, these players might work out. We don't know what the long-term looks like right now, but Cole Strange is a strange move um, at number 29 overall. He's a versatile guy, 6'5", a little small on the weight side, uh, right around 310, good upper body strength. Um, the Patriots need interior help on the O-line, there's no doubt, but I almost kind of feel like you could get this pick later in the draft, right? And Strange has experience at guard. He's been projected as a center, but it just doesn't feel right, right? I mean, is there is there, is there max value here in the first round? Uh, again, I don't care that he's from Chattanooga. I just, we don't know anything about him. And if you're going to pick somebody in the first round, well, chances are that we've really, really heard about him, right? I've never heard of this guy. So... Very, very puzzling pick. The Patriots have a pressing need at guard. Teams don't take backup interior offensive linemen in the first round. That's where we're at. That's a projected year one impact, <laughs> you know, and I've read that on multiple boards, okay? 
The Patriots then went wide receiver. Okay. They took, uh, let's see here. They took uh, Baylor's Taekwon Thornton, um, a guy who I thought could have gone even good fit for Green Bay in the first round. But Green Bay elected to not go in the wide receiver department for Aaron Rodgers. Um, Thornton is a big, rangy, athletic wide, wide receiver. Clearly, this draft was mostly a Mac Jones help draft. Um, I just don't know if you struck with players. Um, you know, you pick up a Marcus Jones out of Houston, a corner. Uh, you pick up a corner out of Arizona State and Jack Jones in the third and fourth rounds, respectively. Pierre Strong Jr. in the fourth, a running back from South Dakota State. Bailey Zappi from Western Kentucky, a quarterback uh, in the fourth round. Then they took Kevin Harris out of South Carolina, a running back, um, six-rounder. And then another six-rounder was Sam Roberts, Northwest Missouri State, a defensive tackle. Then they took uh, Chase and Hines from LSU, an offensive guard, and then Andrew Stuber from Michigan, um, last two picks there in the sixth and seventh rounds, respectively. Um, you know, again, I, I look at this draft for the Patriots and really, uh, really was troubling. I think if you're a Patriots fan, you have every right to be concerned. Um, I just don't understand the logic in the first pick for sure. And then they took some offensive guards later in the draft who you almost think of being like, okay, well, if you're going to take those guys anyway, why didn't you spend on some kind of a playmaker in the first round instead of strange? I mean, it just doesn't make any sense. Um, you know, if I'm New England, I would have almost pulled a Detroit in this draft and gone way up the board in the first round and gone out and tried to find Mac Jones a clear-cut number one, right? But I feel like that is so crucial to a quarterback and we know that when you're a quarterback in the NFL you know how do you get elite right well there's there's two sides of it the one side is you your work ethic your commitment your diet everything everything that that you can do and, and you can control on a personal level right it's you 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 all you the other half though is from the top of the organization all the way down right Ownership to general manager to head coach, um, you know, to the assistants. How good is the offense? Health, right? Your health, their health. Um, you know, building around that quarterback, um, the coaching and developing. Right? Josh Allen has done everything on his side to get where he is, but Josh Allen also has been helped immensely by Stephon Diggs. Every single quarterback you know, needs the wide receiver. You've never seen an elite Hall of Fame player, you know, you haven't seen one in Canton without a number one wide receiver. Montana to Rice, Mahomes, Tyree Kill in the modern era here, more recent modern era. Um, you know, you look at just everywhere, Bradshaw to Swan, Staubach to Pearson. I mean, you can go on and on and on here with the receiver, the clear-cut number one guy, and I just thought with all the wide receivers, New England, like Green Bay, the major hole that's there, and they believe in Mac Jones, they need to get more skill and speed at the wide receiver position. I almost would have moved up even just enough, just enough to like 18, you know, 18 to 22, 23 range, just in that range, you know, to make sure even, even 16 to 20, 22, you know, 23 range, just to make sure I at least got let's say, Traylon Burks, or I got Jahan Dotson, right? Or or I got, um, you know, may, maybe if you, uh, you get lucky, 
you know, you can get way up and, and, and steal somebody, you know? I mean, I just, I don't know. I, I thought that the Patriots really should have gone after a wide receiver. I think that is still the most glaring need um, on this roster. You know, Burks went 18, Jahan Dotson went 16, um, I, you know, Chris Olave went 11, Jamison Williams went 12 to the Lions, he traded up. I feel like, I feel like New England could have really, really done something in the first round to get one of those guys. And you know what? If you're not going to get one of those guys, uh, then in the second round, you know what? Like, go get a wide receiver for sure, you know? And they did in Baylor's Tyquan Thornton, which is good, but we don't know. He's kind of like a step below all those other guys, right? And there was actually some really great value in the second round for wide receivers. It just goes to show you how good and how deep you know, the receiver group is because you look at Christian Watson out of North Dakota State, right? You look at uh, uh, Wondell Robinson out of Kentucky. You look at John Mechie third out of Alabama, championship player, speedster, right, a burner. You look at Tyquan Thornton out of Baylor. How about George Pickens at Georgia? I mean, that the Steelers getting him at, you know, 52 overall is just unbelievable. Uh, Alec Pierce is a pretty solid player from Cincinnati. Sky Moore from West Virginia, I think, is a, is a first-round talent, right? Um, so all of those guys, um, you know, were, were there in the second, I think the Patriots could have easily, you know, tried to do a little bit more, you know, to get up and get one of the studs in the wide receiver group, but, uh, we'll see how it goes, but I, I didn't really like the Patriots draft whatsoever. Could be proved wrong, but I just don't think on paper, uh, it looks that great. All right. The other team I'm doing here, Miami Dolphins. Um, first of all, the Dolphins had basically their offseason was the Tyree Kill move. They had to trade, you know, a lot to get them. Obviously, they traded a bunch of draft capital, uh, but they need a number one guy. They wanted to change the outlook of the division. They need a speed guy, burner, right? Like they need that game breaker, difference maker. Uh, they see what the Bills are doing. They see that the Jets are getting bigger, you know, better and bigger. And, and that's the thing with the Jets, too. The Jets draft, and I already did my my recap for them with the Giants. But, um, you know, the Jets had, uh, you look in, and I, I've seen multiple people say this. Daniel Jeremiah was the most recent one. When you watch the Jets on television, or you're in person and you watch the Jets and they come out, and you look at the other team, you're like, wow, the Jets are actually a small team. They got bigger and they got longer, right? They did. They got they got bigger, they got longer, they got taller in this draft, the Jets. So everybody around the Dolphins, for the most part, in the division and elsewhere, I mean, the AFC for sure, when you look at all the moves that were made in the offseason, like everybody's really taken monster steps to get up. How do the Dolphins get up there and how do they become really, really relevant? How do they become even more competitive? Well, you go out and get the fastest freaking guy in the NFL. And again, you're paying him a ton of money. It's a lot of bo- it's a lot of guaranteed money. It's a lot of draft capital, but that's how those things work. In order to get a Tyreek Hill, in order to get a Derrick Henry, in order to get a George Kittle, in order to get a Khalil Mack, right? In order to get a Von Miller, in order to get fill in the blank, Aaron Donald, right? You have to give up a ton. Both on the money side and on the capital side for the draft. And so the Dolphins, you know, that was their main move. And they only had four picks in the NFL draft. So 
it was kind of just a grab-and-go, I think, situation for them. They pick up a guy in the third round who, uh, that was where their uh, their first uh, pick was. Um, I, I just, man, you know, it almost, it was a cap and, uh, yeah, it was a comp pick from San Fran. And it's one of the Georgia defenders again, right? And here's a guy who doesn't get talked about like Jordan Davis, like Trayvon Walker, like Nicobe Dean, right? He doesn't. And Channing Tindall, I think it's going to be a really good pro. He's a sideline-to-sideline run defender. He has big-time stopping power, great speed, strong for his size. He's 6'2", 230, and he really shows some good pop taking on some of those blockers. Um, He can play some special teams, good instincts. Uh, I think this was a nice pick for Miami, and they need a little bit more of that on defense for sure. Remember, their rush rush defense allowed two yards after contact per rush, which was the third worst mark in the NFL last season. If you watch a lot of Dolphins games, and I saw at least two against Buffalo and a few outside of that, they it's so true. They were awful at tackling, and I think Tyndall can help them in this department. Um, And I think he's a powerful striker who should push Alandon Roberts for a starting job as a rookie. So let's see what uh, Tyndall brings to the table, certainly coming from arguably the best single-season defense in college football history. Anybody on that Georgia defense you want to take a chance on, I'm all in on it. I mean, it's just... SEC guys, you know, championship football players, 80,000 people in a stadium every week, the pressure, the expectations, the history, the program, the rivalries. I just, man, the SEC, it, it, it's hard to not take a chance on anybody from that conference. Um, the Dolphins in the fourth round, I don't know about this name. They took Eric Ezukanma from Texas Tech, a wide receiver. I don't know anything about him. Uh, seventh round, they had two picks, and they took Cameron uh, Goody, from California, an outside linebacker and Kansas State quarterback, Skyler Thompson. So, um, you know, overall, not a lot of mustard there for the picks for the Miami Dolphins. But again, that's what happens when you go out and get, you know, a bona fide number one absolute freak talent in Tyree Kill. And, you know, look, everybody's kind of wondering the you know, situation in Miami now where you have you have some big time, big time you know, talent at wide receiver, um, but can the quarterback get him the ball? You know, and you have Tyree Kill, who is who is there, who is their absolute best wide receiver. Uh, Miami has done a pretty darn good job, I think, in the past couple of years finding wide receiver talent uh, without a doubt. You pick up Cedric Wilson, you, st- you know, Jalen Waddell, again, going into year two. Um, you got Gasecki at tight end. You know, you've got some players there. You have some really, really, really nice players. Uh, They added in some players to the ground game. You know, you've got Raheem Mostert, who's still pretty young, uh, seven-year pro out of Purdue. Um, You know, that that was a good pickup. Chase Edmonds are running back as well. So pretty decent stuff here for Miami going in and uh, definitely a lot more competitive with Tyreek Hill in there as well. ML Sports Platter here with you. Make sure you download, subscribe, leave feedback, and a five-star review. We are brought to you by our good friends at the Stumbling Monkey Brewing Company. If you're in and around the Victor Rochester area, make sure you stop by Stumbling Monkey for all their great beers on draft, plus crawlers and growlers to go as well. You can visit their website before you stop in at stumblingmonkeybeer.com. Buy some gear, 
Go in, try the beers, the IPAs, the, the, the delicious Irish Red Ale, uh, amazing porters and stouts, and of course, sours as well. It's all at Stumble and Monkey Brewing Company, the official brewing company of the ML Sports Platter. And a tip of the cap thank you as well to our great friends over at Ken's Auto Detailing, Camillus Golf Club, the Allen Angus Pub, and... Elevate Fitness of Syracuse. Go get your membership today at Elevate Fitness. Do it in Liverpool locations in and around Central New York. They have the hot tub. They have the pool. They have all the workout amenities, the walking track. You can take personal classes with trainers. It's a great place to be, great place to work out, awesome atmosphere. You can play tennis there as well. I love Elevate Fitness. I have been a member there for several months, and I can't get enough of the place. Go get your membership today, and then, hey, when you sign up, refer some friends and bank some gift cards as well. Elevate Fitness of Syracuse is a proud ML Sports Platter sponsor. Well, earlier in the show, I promised you that uh, you know we got a little crossover episode here from my Pandemonium podcast uh, with the Built-in Buffalo Podcast Network. Um, Scott Carter covers the Florida Gators for FloridaGators.com and uh, knows the SEC inside and out. I had a chance to uh, to break down with him the Kyer Elam pick for the Buffalo Bills in the first round. Fantastic interview. So here that is. Please enjoy Pandemonium on the Built-In Buffalo Podcast Network. It's your boy DM3, and you're listening to Pandemonium with Mike Lindsley on the Buffalo Bills, exclusively on the Built to Buffalo Podcast Network. What's up, Bills Mafia? I'm Mike Lindsley. It is indeed the Built in Buffalo Podcast Network, and you are listening to the Pandemonium Podcast. Make sure you follow Built in Buffalo all over the major platforms, including YouTube and uh, Facebook, and of course on Twitter at Built in Buffalo underscore growing every single day, wall to wall, seven days a week. Buffalo Bills content with the, the audio, the video, with articles on the website, you name it, it's all there to cover the Buffalo Bills. And I got to tell you, I'm bringing on an unbelievable guest to the program. He covers the University of Florida uh, football team for FloridaGators.com. You can go see his work there. And he's going to give us uh, his insights on Kyrie Elam, the cornerback. The Bills traded up a couple of spots to get in the first round. Let's bring in Scott Carter, Florida Gators football insider. Uh, Scott, really great to have you, man. Welcome aboard. Hey, Mike. Thanks for having me, man. Yeah, no doubt about it. Let's get into uh, this Kyrie Elam pick for the Buffalo Bills. What are they getting with Elam? Well, I mean, they're getting a, a guy who... Clearly, he's got, I think it's probably his best trait right now. I mean, he's got really high football IQ uh, just because, you know, of his background. I mean, his father, Abram Elam, played in the in the NFL. His uncle, Matt Elam, played here at Florida about a decade ago. It was a first-round pick and played in the NFL. And, I mean, he's just been in that environment, and that's been his goal uh, ever since he was a young kid. And you know, look. You look at what he did at Florida. His stats don't necessarily jump out at you, but um, I mean, he was kind of he distinguished himself pretty early here at Florida. So teams obviously went away from him a lot, and that's kind of why you don't see maybe some numbers with picks and stuff that you do 
from you know players who are getting drafted in the first round, like from his position. But he's got all the all the tools. He's and really, I think again, his his best trait is he he just understands what it's going to take at the next level. You know, you see a lot of young guys come in and uh, maybe get overwhelmed a little bit and everything that's thrown at him. I just don't see that happening uh, with Kair. He was a guy here who. Uh, he was a leader right from the start. He was a member of the, uh, you know, the SEC Leadership Council, which is kind of a big deal if the team nominates you for that award. So uh, I think that's more than anything. And you're getting a guy who's really hungry to get better. Okay. How early that you know of or that you heard, how early were the Bills in on this guy? Well, you know, you hear so much stuff out there, but they were certainly, I think, a player, you know, just because of their off-season um, situation, uh, you know, that was a position of need for them. And, you know, obviously some things had to happen, even on draft night. I mean, it was, a, it was an unpredictable draft from so many angles. And, I, you know, you hardly ever see that many drafts or uh, that many trades early in the first round like we saw. So when the Bills uh, moved up there to 23rd, you know, you, you're thinking that that could be a spot for Kair. Um, but in terms of, uh, you know, just how early, I think there was always some interest there. But um, I remember at his pro day here, if I recall correctly, I remember we asked him, he, he kind of, he, he was kind of uh, guarded in his answer. He, he didn't really tell us which specific teams he uh, he had visits visits with, but not long after that, it seemed like Buffalo did service as, surface as maybe one of the players in the mix. Yeah, I was at the Sabers game in Buffalo last Friday, and he was there with uh, with Josh Allen, and you know, sitting in the club seats, and kind of was going nuts, and was kind of he kind of had you know a costume type of dress up with his. I can't even remember. He had a, obviously a really nice suit on, but then I think he had something on his face he was wearing something that was that was kind of funny and he was just having a blast and uh, d- d- does does he seem like uh just an amazing locker room guy for the next level as well because I hear that a lot that he's just a really outgoing you know sort of gregarious type person um who just makes people around him feel better that's exactly what the bills want in their locker room with the culture that Brandon Bean and Sean McDermott have built in western New York he he subscribes to that Scott I think so I mean I, I've seen him you know in the in front of the cameras with the media, he, he comes across as more of a polished professional. Again, that, that speaks to really just his environment he grew up in. But I've seen him, you know, cut up plenty with his teammates. And one thing that I think stuck with me in his time at Florida, you know, um, you know, it wasn't obviously the kind of season the Gators wanted. Mm-hmm. Uh, his junior year, this past season, led to a coaching change, and they, you know, finished with a losing record, which is rare at Florida. And a lot of guys, you know, in his position would have just said, hey, I'm I'm out of here. I'm not going to play the bowl game. And some guys did opt out. Kayer, to his credit, uh, he, he played in the Gasparilla Bowl down in Tampa. And I remember talking to him before that game, you know, why is, why is he doing that? He just, you know, he felt, hey, he wanted to make sure he went out with the guys he came in. And so I think, you know, any – if you're a general manager or player personnel director, that's going to catch you. It's your attention, that that mentality that he has. And uh, But I do think he has definitely a fun side. And I, I've talked to people down here. I just see his best – if he can stay healthy, I think his his best days are definitely ahead because 
again, I just think he's he's still evolving as a player. He he bulked up a little bit here. Uh, he's more physically imposing than when he got here three years ago. And, and in the NFL, with the resources they have and with the commitment that he's going to have, I mean, I, I think you're going to see him really develop into a nice player up there. Scott Carter, our guest, at Gators Scott on Twitter. Go give him a follow and check out his work at FloridaGators.com. He is a Florida Gators football writer and insider breaking down Kyrie uh, Elam going to the Buffalo Bills. And so is it safe to say, Scott, that this is just flat out a day one starter? Uh, I will not be surprised at all. I think that seems like that's why the Bills brought him in with the 23rd overall pick. And I know Kyrie... That's his plan, and I'm sure you probably saw the video of him over the weekend. You know, when he was meeting with the team officials, he he pulled out his notebook and was already studying, uh, you know, some of the uh, the players he will have to go against, just dissecting uh, the situation he's walking into. That's just him. He he's he's a he's almost like a pro already here. You know, in his three years here, he came in and you just, you know, some guys you can tell, okay, this is a freshman. He, uh, it's going to, you know, he thinks he's a lot better than he is. It's going to take him a while to get acclimated. But in a couple of years, we might start seeing him break into the rotation. With Kair, the minute he got here, you just sense, okay, this guy is on a mission. You know, he, he wants to play the NFL. He, he was uh, just treated every day like a work day and took care of his business. Not a not a flashy guy, like I said, in front of the cameras, but I, I did see enough behind the scenes to know that his teammates really respected him, and he was a leader in that locker room, and I think he has all those traits to do that at the next level, even though there'll be a, another learning curve that he'll have to adjust to in, in the NFL. But again, I, I think he's the kind of guy that can handle some of that transition maybe easier than other guys. So he has shorter arms and smaller hands. I don't really subscribe to, um, you know, before the draft, you know, during the draft, after the draft. It's amazing how many, you know, pundits try to find something that a guy can't do. You know, it seems like some people try to find what they can't do instead of talking more about what they can do. I don't think that those two things are a big deal. And you know what he proved last year, Scott, as you well know, he had six picks and 26 passes defended over the past three seasons, actually, uh, at Florida. So, no worries here on the shorter arms, smaller hands thing, right? I mean, he makes up for it in a bunch of other places. Yeah, I don't think that was ever a concern here. I mean, if you look at him, I mean, he's he's got that lanky, long build that yeah. really transitions to that position in the NFL. And, uh, you know, he, he's very, very fast and quick, you know, quick on his feet, turns fast. Uh, I think he can overcome any of those concerns with just the natural athleticism that he's gifted with. And, uh, I think that's what's got him to this point. You're right. I mean, it's it's funny. You know, I know a lot of the, the conversation is arm length and hand size. And right. that's what was it? Thumb radius uh, got a lot of play oh, yeah. on the draft telecast. Today. I'm not big into that stuff either. I just see what I see on the field and from talking to coaches. And, and I mean, it was clear he was the Gators, you know, most established, most talented defensive back you know, really the last two or three seasons. And um, again, he's, he'll, he'll have a learning curve up there, but I think he's got all the tools uh, to succeed. And obviously the bills and their uh, personnel department think so too. They're never going to take a guy with the 23rd overall pick. So 
I'm always a believer that, you know, if, if you're good, you're good. It doesn't matter if you play in the SEC. It doesn't matter if you play at Liberty. It doesn't matter if you play at Delaware. I mean, you know, Walter Payton went to Jackson State. You know, Mississippi Valley State is where Jerry Rice went. You know, Steph Curry played basketball at Davidson. If you're good, if you're great, if you're elite, that's it. That's the story. It doesn't matter where you play. Having said that, the SEC is and has been the best conference in college football for a very long time. The expectations are crazy. It's 80,000 every Saturday. Wicked pressure. Football program history. Um, you know, monster head coaches. Huge money coming through. 3.30 Saturday every single weekend. Uh, ESPN primetime games. You know it. You cover the, the, the conference. You're right next to uh, all of that. How much do you subscribe to the fact that if you take an SEC guy, he's that much more prepared because of the pressure in the conference all year? You know, I mean, that's a good question. You can debate it both ways. I, I, I don't think it hurts at all. Uh, certainly, he, there's nothing that's going to catch him by surprise in terms of a big crowd or going on the road into a hostile environment. He's been there, done that. Um, but, you know, the, the speed of the games, obviously, going to pick up a little bit more. Uh we know that at the next level, that's just the transition he's going to have to adapt to, but that's true for everybody. Mm-hmm. But I think playing in an environment like Florida, uh, while it's not the NFL on the field, the media coverage is probably going to be very similar, if not even more maybe down here. I mean, he's got 20 outlets every day that he talks down here. Of course, you're protected a little bit more in college, and you can say, say no to more stuff then maybe you can in the, in, the, in the NFL when the locker room's open every Tuesday and part of your contract says that's part of your job. So, But I just don't see that being an impact. I think everything we've talked about in terms of his background has prepared him for that. And he's a guy that's, you know, he was going to NFL games, I'm sure, uh, when he was young, really young, when his dad was in the league. And, and then he was around it when uh, his uncle came up. So, um yeah, I, if I'm a Bills fan, Mike, I just I'm not too worried. I think I think you got a guy who who will handle all that stuff without any issue. During his Florida Gator career, when do you think Kyrie Elam, you know, was at the height? You know, do you remember a couple game stretch, uh, interceptions, tackles, just how he looked different, how he how he looked like a future pro, uh, dominating a game, you know, suffocating a wide receiver. Are there any instances, situations, games, plays that you remember, okay, this is where Elam really was at his height here at Florida? I mean, his sophomore year, I thought, was his best year in terms of uh, just overall performance. Uh, It was a weird year because it was the COVID year, uh, and, you know, it was a different environment for everybody, no matter where where you're in Florida or in the NFL because of just a different world. But... You know, he made all SCC that year, and they beat Georgia that year, which was really a big win. And again, you know, you look at Kyrie's stats, I, I can't recall off the top of my head, Mike, any, any big interception for a touchdown or anything like that. It was, it was what really made him stick out, which is how much he knew each week part of the opponent's game plan was going to be going away from him because, you know, Florida had some holes defensively around him. But he was not one of them. And, and at the time, Todd Grantham was the defensive coordinator here. Who, he's a guy that 
you know, has a lot of NFL experience as a coordinator. And it was a defense that we had talked to players here at Florida that, there were, you know, it was a confusing for them in a lot of ways. And it showed up with some confusion on the field and giving up big plays. Buck Hayer was one of those guys who was just hardly ever in the mix there. I mean, he, he just showed up, did his job, and whatever L the Gators defense in a particular game, it usually did involve him. And that's just the sign of a guy, you know, taking care of business and, and shutting down the opposing receiver. He was obviously guarding oftentimes the other team's top playmaker. And, um, you know, and he had one stretch where I knew he had a he banged up his knee and they were real conservative uh, with bringing him back. Uh, and he, he took his time to get recovered. And when he came back, he just looked like the, the same guy. Again, there was nothing nothing that flashes out right away to your question, but it just the Mr. Consistence, the way I think of Kair, and uh, that's that's what you have to be in the NFL, or you're not going to be around there that long. You're going to have to come up and be a pro right away and, and uh, you know make statements on the field, but mostly just do your job at, at a high level. And that's what we saw here in Florida. Yeah, for sure. All right, final couple of minutes that I have left with you. I, I wanted to kind of combine two things. One is when you lose a player of Elam's status, obviously, there is a gaping hole. Now, it's Florida. They're not Florida, Florida from days gone by, but they're still major four- and five-star athletes who come in, into Gainesville. Uh, what does this roster look like? Um, you know, without Elam in terms of, you know, depth and productivity? I mean, are there guys in the waiting and all that? And then just kind of take it beyond that as far as what you expect from Florida in 2022. Well, you know, it, it's a big hole to replace without question. Uh, you know, there was talk after the season, would he, would he or would he not go to the NFL? But, you know, that was more or less media chatter. I think everyone internally knew that, he was going, uh, and it was a smart decision because, you know, even though we didn't know if he was going to be a late first round, early second round, he was just ready. That's what his mission was when he got here. He was ready for that next challenge. And so whenever you have a guy like that, it's a big loss. I mean, you have a, a young guy, Jason Marshall Jr., who emerged last year as a true fresh from playing opposite player. Um, but there's some holes on this defense. Again, Florida went 6-7 and seven last year. Dan Mullen got fired. Billy Napier's here. And you see really just this draft alone. I mean, the Gators only had three players drafted, which was the fewest in a decade. So the talent level was down. And that's why, again, why I thought Kair stood out uh, defensively and really on the whole team. I mean, he was just one of those difference makers. And they Florida usually has several of those, but they, they didn't this past season. And, and it showed with the draft results. And uh, I think Billy Napier has a big challenge here. Uh, I think they really have rebooted the program in a lot of ways behind the scenes. Adam, more staff, more analysts, more analytics. Uh, it's really a modernization of the program here that's probably, uh, you know, been needed for a few years. And I think it finally caught up with the Gators, you know, the last couple seasons. And, um, you know, having Kyrie around certainly uh, – made it better than might have been without him. But, again, I think there are some holes to fill. He's a, he's a big loss. There's no other way to say it. Well, this was outstanding, breaking down the Buffalo Bills' first-round pick, Kyer Elam, 
cornerback out of Florida, and Scott Carter has been doing it here on the Pandemonium Podcast. Just a terrific spot. At Gator Scott, give him a follow on Twitter, and of course, FloridaGators.com, the Florida Gator football insider and writer. Scott, thank you a million for doing this. Appreciate the breakdown uh, of Elam. It sounds like the Bills are getting a good one, and hey, continued success your way. I'd love to have you back sometime. Hi, Mike. Enjoyed it. And uh, yeah, I think the Bills got a good one too, man. All right. In the final, I don't know, 10 or 15 minutes uh, of the podcast, I'm going to go through all of the picks uh, for the Bills. Uh, You know, back to Elam just for a second, obviously. Um, He was, I I think, in the SEC, he was just an unbelievable player. Um, and, And I love the fact that the Bills are getting another guy who, again, every week, 80,000 people, expectations, tradition, um, uh, you know, monster pep rallies, uh, huge fan bases, huge football brands, huge pressure. Every single week, that's what the SEC is. You're playing Alabama. You're playing LSU. You're playing Arkansas. You know, you're playing Georgia. You're playing You're playing everybody. And Elam was, was really, really good for Florida. Um you know, again, I love the frame of this kid, 6'2", 195 or so. Um, you know, he's also ranked as the fifth overall for his position on most boards, and he's a 32 overall ranked player. So, you know, in an 88 grade. And so he comes in with every possible thing that the Bills are are looking for, right? Like good character and culture guy, big time size, position filler, the, you know, it's a position of need. And he should be a guy who starts right away. Uh, I, I think him and Dane Jackson. And then once Trey White comes back, it'll be Trey White and Elam. I mean, that's what the Bills are expecting this guy to do. He is a day one starter, steps in as a starter opposite White, and potentially makes it really one of the best secondaries in, in the NFL. When you think about the safeties of Micah Hyde, Jordan Poyer, you think about Elam now there, White coming back, Dane Jackson developing, etc. Uh, you know, Jaquan Johnson's been playing uh, really good every time the Bills call his name. Um, you know, there, there's there's some major players for the Bills. And, um, you know, Elam just adds to that. Let's keep moving. The second round, James Cook. The Bills grab the running back out of Georgia. Just a fantastic pick here. Uh, could actually be a, a steal. I mean, really. Um, you know, Brandon Bean definitely... Uh, had interest, I think, in Brees Hall from Iowa State. But as it turns out, uh, the Bills get the third best running back based on rank in the NFL draft. We're dealing with a 5'11 guy who's 200 pounds. Uh, he's an above-average route runner, natural hands guy. Um, you know, He tracks the ball well downfield, threat after the catch. He can run it as well, patient between the tackles. And he played, again, another SEC guy. He played for the national champion Georgia Bulldogs. And look, for all the accolades the defense got, and rightfully so, it was one of the uh, terrific single-season defenses in the history of college football. Uh, There's some pretty good guys on offense, too, and James Cook would be uh, exactly that. Now listen, Buffalo has a bunch of backs right now, but Zach Moss is now on call, right? He is now, dude, let's see what you got. Because he hasn't developed as, as we hoped. And he's the only back on the roster who isn't either a restricted or unrestricted free agent in 2023. So, um, you know, look, Cook projects as a great compliment to Devin Singletary, and he could take over, for all we know, as the number one in 2023. You know, that could 
that could come to fruition for the Bills in the running back room. So uh, I, I just thought, you know, that pick from Cincinnati, uh, the moving and shaking the Bills did, you, you get James Cook there. I just thought that was a terrific pick. Number uh, the third round, uh, Terrell Bernard uh, out of Baylor, an inside linebacker. I don't know a lot about him. I don't watch a ton of Big 12 football. But again, just kind of a piece for the Bills as they continue to figure out what they want to do uh, with linebackers across the board. Uh, we know Matt Milano you know, will, will, will be there uh, for a while, um, but they want to kind of keep getting pieces depending on the future of Tremaine Edmonds. I don't think he's going anywhere. Um, the guy just turned 24 years old the other day, for crying out loud. Um, and, you know, people get on Edmonds a lot, which is really wild to me because every single time, you know, look, he isn't the player that the Bills had hoped at this particular moment. But he's also not awful at the same time. Does he get beat off blocks? Sure. Does he get dominated in the open field? Sometimes he does. Is Matt Milano far more important to the defense than uh, Tremaine Edmonds? And, 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 you know, is, is he worth more money? Of course. Would you rather pay Dawson Knox and two other guys than pay Tremaine Edmonds right now? Down the line, you probably would, right? But Tremaine Edmonds, it, 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 he's not awful. He's not an awful football player. I feel like so many people have made him out to be awful. Listen, all you have to do is, and I know sometimes numbers lie, just go to a box score of a Bills game. Look at the leading tackler. I'm here to tell you that Tremaine Edmonds last year, without even looking, you know, had to have been, what, five to eight games minimum that Tremaine Edmonds led the Bills in tackling. So there's still a lot there, but I think the Bills do want to build around, you know, that inside linebacker, middle line uh, backer type of a thing, some depth, uh, you know, versatility, um, you know, explosive players to maybe come in for a down and then spell somebody. And I think Bernard out of Baylor fits that. Tell you what, no fourth round pick as we know. The Bills sat that one out. They had traded up in the first round to get Kyer Elam, and they used their late fourth capital there. Uh, but in the fifth round, the Bills, look, I think they got another steal here. Um, this one was from Houston through Chicago. The Bills. Man, jump up and get this guy. What a great pick this was, okay? Khalil Shakir out of Boise State. This is, this one could end up being, believe it or not, the best draft pick for the Bills. I know they have Jamison Crowder, but he's on a one-year deal. You brought back Isaiah McKenzie. I think Shakir is probably a first-round talent the Bills got in the fifth round. He's that good. He's an instinctive open-field runner. Uh, plucks the ball out of the air, makes the first guy miss, top end speed, and see you later. And, you know, look, a lot of people have him projected as a really, really good slot guy, super fast, perhaps even a guy who, uh, you know, could put up Cooper Cup-like numbers down the line. I mean, let's, you know, obviously hold off on that. But I think Shakir is a really, really good player. I, and, and look, he made the most of his ability to produce with the ball in his hands, um, you know, mostly because he got the ball in his hands quickly. Um, and you use him in the run game. You can use him as a returner. Um, but he is at his best working out of the slot. He's really tough going over the middle. As soon as he makes that first catch and he makes a guy miss, it, you know, he could be a game breaker. So the Bills, as we've talked about a lot, you know, the Chiefs in recent years have had the breakaway speed. Tyreek Hill. Cooper Cup is a breakaway speed guy. The Bills, for as good as their offense is, Gabe Davis and Stephon Diggs are not lightning, you know, game-breaking type players. These two guys have the potential, James Cook out of Georgia and Khalil 
Shakir out of Boise State. These guys have potential to be home run threats for the Buffalo offense. And I am pumped up to watch Shakir in the Buffalo offense with all those tools. Tricky Bills, Isaiah McKenzie, Mixon and Matchin, Sharon Reps, tons of speed. I love this pick. I love it. Uh, now, here we go. The punting guy. The Bills needed a punter in this draft, no doubt, because Matt Hawk, right, was dreadful for, for a big part of last year. Uh, and they go to, I've heard a couple different pronunciations on this kid's last name. Uh, so I've heard Matt Ariza the most, so I'm going to go with that. Um, I tell you what, they got probably the best punter in the draft in the sixth round. I mean, that's incredible. This is a guy who's fought adversity. He's 6'1", 200, by the way, great size. He lost the punting job in 2020, and then he responded by turning himself into the best punter in college football last year. He was the best punter in the game. 51.2 yards per punt. He can boom at 80 yards. He set an FBS single-season record and had 40 punts down inside the 20-yard line, most in the FBS in 2021. That's according to ESPN Stats and Info. Hey, listen to this one, too. He also made six tackles in 2021, and he also kicked off and served as the team's place kicker the past three seasons. It seems like he's a stud on paper. And for the Bills to get him in the sixth round is just bravo again by Brandon Bean. Unbelievable pick. Fills a really, really important need. And the Bills could use more of the pinning inside the 20, inside the 10, and all the rest. Um, and I think Ariz is going to be a fantastic player for Buffalo. Uh, sixth round, uh, Christian Benford, Villanova corner. I don't know a lot about him, but again, a depth piece for the secondary there. In the sixth round, they also took Luke Tenuta out of Virginia Tech offensive tackle, just straight up, again, a depth pick. And then Balin Specter, the Clemson inside linebacker, goes in the seventh round. Um, you know, So I think overall, I'd probably give the Bills a B-plus draft. Uh, I think they, they did a really nice job in this, in this draft, checking a ton of boxes. Um, you know, They filled major, major needs in terms of the cornerback position, first and foremost, with Elam, and then later on, you know, with, with depth picks, um, you know, in this thing with Benford, uh, you know, the, the, I just think the Bills really, really addressed their, their main hole. And then also, you think about this team, you know, they had to, to find a guy with break, you know, game-breaking ability, um, you know, just an explosive guy. Last year, they were in on Travis Etienne. This year, we thought they were getting J.D. McKissick. He ends up, we think, coming to the Bills, and then he gets a, an offer from the commanders and then he ends up going back to Washington and signing with them. James Cook, I think, can bring a lot to the table that the Bills thought they were getting with McKissick. Maybe not as much in year one, but certainly in year two. Um, and, and so that was just a great move as well. They, they checked the boxes of depth and versatility. That's a big thing with Brandon Bean and Sean McDermott. They checked the box of, of young players too, right? I mean, uh, you know, the, the Bills love to draft young players, keep them under, you know, that team control and, and really, um, you know, develop them and, and, and watch the growth through the years. And there's no question in my mind that these guys, the Bills picked, uh, are, you know, they were on the radar way in the beginning. The Bills always do their homework 
Um, you know, Kyer Elam, for example, is 20 years old. You know, he turns 21, uh, I guess, tomorrow. Um, and so um, it, it's just a really, really great pick. Um, and I think the Bills are going to do great by, by – I just think Elam's going to do great by the Bills. You know, and like I said, they fill a lot of needs across the board. Um, you know, positions of need, they fill you – know, check off the box for – depth check off the box for versatility check out the you know check the box for youth uh and and drafting and developing i mean that's been an mo of the bills you know you look at you know you look at taron johnson you look at a lot of the players the bills you know have taken the last few years you look at gabe davis you know you look at all these guys development i mean look at tremaine edmonds i just talked about him you know think about the age the bills got him at in the nfl draft right and so they just did a really great job checking all the boxes they had to check um, from depth to versatility to young drafting and developing to position of need, um, you know, best player on the board in a couple of different cases. I mean, Matt Ariza probably, you know, the best punter, the best player on the board by the time the sixth round rolled around, he wasn't even taken. Um, so the Bills did a heck of a job here. I, I would give them a B plus. I really would. I think this draft was terrific for the Bills, and they just keep, you know, keep going. Um, and, you know, now you you, you, you got to get to camp and, the expectations are, are going to be through the roof. This team is the front runner to win the Super Bowl, according to a bunch of people. Um, so the pressure is on, uh, game on. The Bills have got to try and get through the Chiefs. They've got to get try and get through this unbelievable AFC with you know the Raiders making moves, picking up Devontae Adams. You get Chandler Jones. You've got the Chargers making moves. J.C. Jackson and company uh, trade for Khalil Mack. Uh, Tyreek Hill is now in your division. Uh, the Jets had a really good draft, right? The Ravens aren't going anywhere. The Steelers are going to be back competing. The Bengals are the defending AFC champions, right? You've got the uh, Tennessee Titans, very tough team, sound defense. Derrick Henry will be back. Um, you know, Russell Wilson's in Denver. I mean, the AFC is, AFC's crazy. And so the Bills, you know, look, it, it won't matter if the Bills are the best team, because if you're the best team, you beat everybody anyway, right? But a great draft for the Bills. I would give them a B plus. Thanks for listening to the Pandemonium Podcast. I'm your host, Mike Lindsley, Bills Mafia. Please get us on the Built in Buffalo Podcast Network. Go follow the YouTube page. Go get us on Instagram. Go follow us on Twitter at Built in Buffalo underscore. And listen to all of the shows, audio and video, plus read the articles at the website. I'm telling you, seven days a week of Buffalo Bills coverage. It's terrific to be a part of this platform. So go go uh, follow and subscribe everywhere on social platforms on your smartphone device hit me on twitter at mike l sports as well and as i always tell you enjoy the games thank you for listening to believe you can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.